0: It's an honor and a privilege to be here to share God's word with you this morning. As I was thinking this week, uh, Craig and Faith are such a vital part of our congregation, and they are away on vacation, and they need to do that. They need to take that family time away and and just kind of reinvent themselves so they can come back and serve God and serve this congregation. So we're grateful to have you here today. But one thing came to mind when I was thinking about that. I was reminded of a story that a minister in Tucson, Arizona, where we went, said, he was asked a question, when people fall asleep during your sermon, does that bother you? And he says, no, it doesn't bother me. It just means they trust what I have to say. <laughs> I'm thinking that Craig came back early because he doesn't necessarily trust what I have to say this morning. <laughs> and in fact, what he told me, is, says, you take, you've broken a record. There's more slides in your presentation than any other presentation. So what I've done this morning is I brought my lunch. So, but don't worry, the other elders will be serving fish and loaves shortly. So don't worry about that. But it is an honor to be here in front of you today and preach God's word. According to Open Door's 2021 World Watch List, on average, 13 Christians will lose their life today because of their faith. Twelve churches, church buildings will be attacked while they're having church service this morning. Twelve Christians will be unjustly arrested because of their belief in Jesus Christ. And five Christians will be abducted. Now that's the church universal, and tomorrow, today I'm going to talk basically about our local church. But even with all these, these are some of the fastest growing churches in the world. Few things are more important to the growth as a Christian than learning how to walk in unity with others. How many, how many seek Christian unity without any idea what Chris, Scripture has to say about the church? And so they seek unity with other definitions and desires. Well, this morning we're going to use a lot of Scripture. And one of the reasons we're using a lot of Scripture, I want you to understand this morning the depth and the width of god's word and how it addresses unity in the local church these past this is the sixth week seventh week of marks of a healthy church and we're going to talk about perfect perfectly united the first week talked about preaching and teaching and we do a wonderful job here on alaska church of christ authentic biblical community honoring one another you'll hear that today that will be a theme authentic biblical community motivating each other i have to tell you a number of people who came to me this morning and were encouraging me we have a church of encouragers sacrificial giving not talking about just money but talking about our time and our effort and you'll hear that as well and then people of prayer and so we talk about that and you'll see that jesus prayed for unity and we'll see that will be one of the first points we talk about and then authentic biblical worship. And then Gunnar do a wonderful job last week preaching in front of us, and it's great to see young men in the church who are willing to stand up and talk about Christ and the importance of the church. The goal of unity is to grow up together in Christ Jesus. Unity leads to maturity, and maturity fosters greater unity. It's kind of the chicken and the egg, what comes first. I've seen conflict destroy families, that causes hurt for generations. It can destroy churches as well. Biblical churches must pursue unity. Jesus prayed for it. Jesus died for it. And scripture speaks to it. So my first point this morning is Jesus prayed for unity. John seventeen eleven says this, I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world. And I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them. By the power of your name and the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. Jesus was praying for his disciples here. He was asking that his disciples be united in harmony and love as the Father and the Son the Holy Trinity and the Holy Spirit are united. What greater example we have. Jesus understood the importance of the disciples all working together in this creation of what we now know as the church. Think about the impossible task that they had to bring two groups of people together, the Jews and the Gentiles. He was asking them to do this, and he knew what lied ahead for them. It was persecution, it was jail, and even death. The start of the church was dependent on the unity of the disciples. I love this quote that we have by Dwight L. Moody, and it says, I have never yet known the Spirit of God to work where the Lord's people were divided. When we have one focus, when we come together and we talk about the, the gospel of Christ, that's where our unity comes from. John seventeen twenty 20-23, his prayer continues, but this time he's praying for us, for the others who are going to hear the message. He says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you have given me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that you may be brought to complete unity. The world will know that you sent me and have loved me even as you have loved me. Their their unity was rooted in Christ's own unity with his Father. Faith leads to unity, which leads others to faith. Jesus passionately prayed that his followers would be one. He makes it clear that unity must be evident in the world so that the world will recognize the source, that is God. Nothing short of complete unity is acceptable in God's church. John 13:34 through 35 says this, "A new command I give you, love one another, as I have loved you, so that you must love one another. By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another." Jesus is saying that test, our testimony is not m- merely verbal, but is demonstrated in our actions as well. I'm reminded of this horrific horrific event that took place on June seventeenth, two 2015. It was in Charleston, North Carolina in a predominantly black church. A young man came in to partake in their Bible study and he sat with them and studied with them for the hour and he sat there. And when they began to pray, when the Bible study was over, he pulled out his gun and he shot and killed nine of the people that he just sat with in the last hour. A horrific horrific event. But you know what? That event did not define that church. They are a witness to the world. It was not their defining moment. In fact, less than 48 hours after he shot and killed nine members of their congregation in a Bible study, he had a bond hearing. One after another, church members came to the microphone offering forgiveness for what he had done. In fact, Chris Singleton, who lost his mother, said this, I realize that forgiving is so much tougher than holding a grudge. It takes more courage to forgive. Wow. And so when we have unity in the church, that's demonstrated as it was in South Carolina. It's a witness to the world. Love in action should be the defining characteristic of our lives. No matter what we do or no matter what comes between us, That should be the defining characteristic. Point number two, unity is a gift from God. Jesus died for it. Now I want to talk about Paul for a second, and so we're going to read from Ephesians. Don't underestimate the task that he had at hand, bringing the Jews and the Gentiles together. They had Jewish law and tradition that they were holding on to. And some of that said the Gentiles were not a part of that. And so he was trying to bring them together. Ephesians two thirteen through 16 says this, but now in Christ Jesus, you were once were far away, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. It's the blood of Christ that brings us together. For he himself is our peace who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside his flesh, the law, with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both, them with, to God through the cross by which he put death, his hostility. The Jews considered the Gentiles to be beyond, beyond God's power, saving powers. The Gentiles resented the Jewish claims, but now the Gentiles have come into inheritance. It's God's gift to all nations. His inheritance. When we become baptized into Christ, we become His Son. Paul explains how unity comes as a result of salvation. This means unity among Christians is a gift of grace. Like His salvation itself, Jews and Gentiles were made one by the death and resurrection of Christ. Now, the church is made up of many nations. Unity continues to be a gracious gift. Every day we celebrate that when we come together and we partake of the loaf and the cup, that we remember the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross for us. That's what unites us here in Onalaska Church of Christ. Nothing else can divide us if we stay focused on that. Only Jesus can break down the barrier walls of separation and bring all believers together. Romans 12, 9 through 10 says this, Love must be sincere. Hate what, was, what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Something that we saw in one of Craig's previous messages. I'm reminded of this word sincere that sticks out to me. I'm reminded of a time when my daughter Stephanie, she was about two and a half years old. We lived in Tucson and my mom and my sister were there visiting us. And we were, I can't remember where we were, but we were in the car, and S- Stephanie was acting out. Wasn't being very kind, so when you see her, reminder of that. And she wasn't very kind to her grandmother and her aunt in the back seat. And we told her, you must apologize. If you don't apologize, by the time we get home, you're going to be punished. Well, as we were pulling into our parking spot, she shouted out, I'm sorry. We knew immediately that she didn't mean it. What Jesus is talking about here is sincere love for one another. Loving the whole world is easy, but loving your neighbor is hard. Has someone in this church offended you? Or maybe it's your church family. Have you been willing to forgive them? Have you asked for forgiveness if you have? It's hard to have conflict and love and honor and be devoted to Christ at the same time. Augustine, I love this this quote from him, it says, Essentials unity and non-essentials liberty and all things charity and love. And that's what the church should be about. And That's my third point. Unity is essential in the body of Christ. Ephesians 4, 1-7 says, As a prisoner of the Lord, as a prisoner of the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of, his, of the calling you have received. It's not by accident that you are a Christian. It's not by accident that you're here today. Jesus has called you. To be here, be completely humble, gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity and the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to be one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Keep the unity. Paul doesn't say find unity, create unity, produce unity. He says unity is the expectation. We are to keep unity in the church at all costs. If you were called to be a follower of Christ for a reason, Paul gives direction telling us that the other believers should be humble and gentle and be patient with the people that we are here with today. We could probably all name somebody who displays those characteristics. And I can tell you, we've had people in our lives who have done that from the church. And one name that people talk about, and I'll use their name because they're gone, but Bonnie Niles. I can remember that when we had our third child, and we had not been in lacrosse a whole long, long time, but she brought a meal over to our home. And that's what we're talking about serving one another. And you could all mention somebody, and there's people in this room who do that exact same thing. That when you talk about being patient and bearing love one another, they come to mind. You were what? What gives you peace? I will talk about that as well. He says, "Spirit through the bond of peace." What gives us peace is our salvation. If you've ever lost a loved one, which I have lost a loved one recently, we know the mourning process. But how much more we have peace when we know that they've committed their life to Christ. And so it's our salvation that brings us together, that unites us in this time. By God's grace, we experience salvation, share that peace. No matter what the world throws at us, we have an eternal home that gives us peace. The word one is listed seven times in these verses. Each member of the Trinity is mentioned. Unity is what God demonstrates through the Trinity. He gave us the example to follow with oneness, heart given by the Spirit. When we are immersed into Christ, we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit that guides us. And that Holy Spirit should lead us to unity. Paul speaks about the underlying commitments of a unified church. He explains that there is one body, one spirit. There cannot be a division between Jew or Gentile, Israel and the church, because they have the same spirit. Psalm 133.1 says how good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. And that will be reflected in our words and our actions that we talked about the church in South Carolina. They demonstrated that. Unity is maintained by humility, gentleness, patience, and enduring love. Our church relationships should be based on all of those points. The world has all sorts of things that causes people to unify. The Olympics, we're going to celebrate those in a, few, in a few weeks or coming up. And that generally brings people together. But our unity isn't of this world, it's different. The world is also full of strife and divisions. Politics, for instance. Each November, politicians try to bring people together and unite them. But it should not be the dividing factor in our church no matter what you believe. So how do you respond to adversity when you're offered, when someone's offended you or, or said something to you that causes problems or when things don't go your way? Conflict does happen in the church, but it's how we respond that's important. So I'm reminded of the story of the carrot and the egg and the coffee bean. Have you heard that story before? So I brought a carrot today. And so when I bring out this carrot, what do you see? A carrot. carrot. Very good. Dan, 101, good. (laughs) What we see when we see it, this carrot is someone, something that's strong and deep rooted and really reminds us of our faith. Isn't that what some of you are? You are deepened in the faith. You have the roots of, of Belief. But what happens when we face adversity? What happens to the carrot when it's put in boiling water? Maybe you as a Christian who've been a Christian for a long time and you're strong in the faith and you're ready to defend God's word. But when adversity comes, we kind of wither. Or we become soft and weak. Is that like you? Or maybe we're like the egg. The egg that's fragile inside... Maybe because the circumstances we've had in our lives, or the homes that we were brought up on, or things that have happened that have made a difference—in not a good way—but we have the, the outer shell of salvation that protects us. But what happens to that egg when it has adversity? When it's thrown in boiling water, it becomes hard. And so we as Christians sometimes are like the egg, where our hearts become hard when we're offended by other people. If truth be known, all of us would say we are a little bit like the carrot and the egg. We have a strong faith, but there's times when we wither away. Or we have the strong outer shell of salvation, but when things don't go well, we kind of revert back to our old ways. But what about the coffee bean? I have a coffee bean here. Pretty small. So what does the coffee bean do? Probably at times you felt small and alone and insignificant. And as a Christian, we can do that. But that's not what the coffee bean is all about. When the coffee bean is put together in boiling water with many other coffee beans, it produces something of... That's good with aroma and taste. And so that's what the church is like. And that's what the church should be like. We should be like a group of coffee beans that come together and represent to the world something that's good, something that others desire. And so the challenge for us is not that there won't be conflict in the church, is how we respond to that conflict. When churches try to grow themselves by appealing to certain external factors like music, ethnic heritage, age, occupation, social economic status, they unify the church around worldly items. But if we unite around the gospel, the gospel of Christ and our own salvation, no one can divide us. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 12-13 says this, just as the body, though one, has many parts, All of its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so that to form one body, whether Jew or Gentile, slave or free, we were given the one spirit to drink. Just as one spirit and one Lord stresses the gospel of unity, the single father means that we're part of one family. We have one heavenly father. We are adopted together in Christ. When the family is working together for one mission, all other things don't matter. Our mission here at Onalaska Church of Christ is to make more and better disciples. What does that mean? It means go, therefore, out into the world, baptizing all nations in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. When we stay focused on our mission, then we will have unity in the church. If you've read, my wife was just reading to me this morning, and don't ask me why we go to the obituaries, right? And we want to know who's, who's out there and something happens to someone we've loved or known. And today there was a young lady that was in the obituary. And recently in the newspaper you've probably heard the coroner talk about the number of od- overdoses we've had in our society. Okay, If you truly believe, if we truly believe that people are dying and going to hell our great commission suddenly means something. If we stay focused on reaching people for Christ so that they have the same hope and peace that we have in our hearts, then that's what the church is supposed to be. And that's what, church, that's what God wants you to be, a part of that. Point number four, unity does not mean uniformity. He created us all differently. <laughs> Ephesians 4, 7 through 14 says this, but to teach one of us grace... To teach one of us grace has been given us as Christ apportioned it. Okay? This is why it says, When he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean? Except that he has also descended to lower earthly regions. He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ will be built up until we all reach unity in faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of fullness of Christ. God personally and intentionally gives gifts to the church. He gives gifts to the church in the way of people. Every one of you here this morning is a gift from God. God has also given you those gifts. Therefore, he uniquely redeems and repurposes people in the church. There is no one, and I have no one in capital letters on my notes here, in this room this morning who has not been given a spiritual gift to serve God and the church. All ages, all backgrounds, all history, we are all called to serve Christ in the local church. so that the body of Christ may be built up. Paul stresses that the unified body has many various gifts. And here the gifts are people. The gospel unites people from every nation, every race, every language, every culture. It unites people that the world cannot and will not unite. Who sees not valuable, everyone is valuable in God's eyes. So I say to you this morning, if you are not using the gifts that God has given you, You will not become the person God wants you to be. I'm gonna say that again. If you're not using the gifts God has given you, you're not becoming the person God wants you to be. He has given you gifts. We see that in the verses that we have here. Every one of us in this room is receiving a gift of God. And it may be different. It's different than everyone else. But there is a place here for you in Alaska Church of Christ. We have many missions and ministries that people can be involved in. And so if you're looking for your gift and how to use your gift, there's a place for you here in our church. Romans 6, 3 through 6 says, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been unified, If we have been united with him in death like his, we will also be united with him in his resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we no longer live to be slaves to sin. Jesus' death and our salvation is not a random act. It is a calculated plan to save us from sin and to separate us from God and not separate us from God. It does not mean that everyone looks the same, talks the same, or thinks the same. It means, however, that because we believe in the same gospel, we can abide in grace together, learning how to work together with one another. At Onalaska Church of Christ, we find gifted people committed to serving one another. We see that today. Wasn't our worship services and music wonderful this morning? They're using God's gift to serve serve the local church through these gifts God leads the church to grow in biblical maturity which in turn facilitates greater unity unity leads to maturity and you see that when we talk about unity point number five unif- unity glorifies God and attracts unbelievers Romans fifteen five says may the God who gives endurance and encouragement give us the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had so that one mind, one voice, you may glorify God and the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Everyone has a testimony. We talked about the nonverbal testimony. But we should also be prepared to share our testimony because it's what brings us together. It's our how we came to Christ in our lives Isn't that the end game for every Christian? Paul explains how to keep unity. Accept one another, just as Christ accepted you. In all of our imperfections, and everything that we've done wrong in the past, it doesn't matter. And why are we supposed to do that? Because it brings praise to God. Getting along with other believers is necessary to knowing Christ himself. Because just as Christ accepted you, we are to accept others. Galatians 3, 26-28 says this, So in Christ you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have closed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor male or female. For you are all one in Christ. We are a family with one Father. And that Father is in heaven and he's prepared a place for us. When the church is unified in the gospel of Christ in truth and humble love, It displays to unbelievers the love of Christ, like the church in North Carolina, South Carolina. The gospel is a message of grace, news that is heard and not seen. But when the message is believed by church members, when we truly believe in unity through our salvation, it is demonstrated in our love for one another. It becomes visible for the outside world to see and becomes our testimony, our nonverbal testimony. I will tell you there's one thing that does hurt the church. I talked about politics and division. Social media can also play a role in that. I read this and it says, social media spreads conflict at lightning speed to every corner of the globe. Isn't that the truth? Now I don't have social media, my wife does, and we've used social media at the church, so I don't want to indicate that it's bad, it's great. And some of you may be here because of the social media that the church has. But people say and do things on social media that they'd never do in person. And so if we were to look at your social media page, are you bringing people together? Are you focused on the body of Christ? Or is what we are doing dividing us? This is especially true. That statement is especially true when we talk about our world today as fragmented and divisive as, as ours work counterculture and unity among diverse people stands out. See, because we're a group of different people that comes together. And so we we represent a lot of people. 1 Corinthians 1.10 says this, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there would be no divisions among you, but that you will be united in the same mind and the same judgment. He doesn't say... That there shouldn't be. He says there should be no divisions among you. And that's what the church is. Last point Satan is the enemy of the unity of the church. 1 Peter 5 8 says, Be alert and sober. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. For some people, Satan's not real, but I'm here to tell you scripture speaks to it. Satan is real. And when you became a believer in Christ, when you became a part of his family, you became a target of Satan. Warfare is the devil's attempt to deceive and divide believers. Since the fall in the Garden of Eden, Satan has tried to bait us with false teaching, lure us into sin and turn us against one another. He does this to keep us from glorifying God and doing the Great Commission. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. If we stay focused on that. He seeks to devour us so we can no longer be the light to the lost world. Ephesians six eleven through 14 says this. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you'll be able to stand your ground after you have done everything to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the rest plate of righteousness in place. Satan battles against us because we are God's witness to the world. He, nothing more makes him happier when Christians are divided. Look around the people in this room. We may have disagreements, but we are not the enemy. Satan loves a church divided. Paul says, take your stand. Standing does not mean that you simply stand there and deflect arrows. It means we go out into the world and we preach the gospel. And we take the offense. His own standing meant that he would faithfully evangelize if the war cost him his life, and it did for Paul. We put on the full armor of God, not so we can defend ourselves, but so we can march into the enemy's kingdom to do the work of God. I like this quote, and I received this quote from Terry Keel. If you don't know who Terry is, she's out in the audience and we've created this friendship and she often shares her wisdom with me and she gave me this quote of satan she said satan is big he's bad he's mad and does not know us he is not all powerful satan looks for weakness and exploits satan is easy to please he does not require love or commitment he is subtle deceptive and and persistent and so when we leave this church today, know that Satan is out there. And he loves it when he has a church divided. Romans eight thirty-eight through 39 says this, and I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus. That's the last scripture for today, but doesn't it say it all? If we stay united in Christ and we remember our salvation and we're a people different than the world, we'll not only impact our world, but we'll be able to do great things. And we're seeing those things happen here in Onalaska Church Christ. And I have one last quote that I leave you. There is power in unity in working together and praying together. You are not alone in the spiritual battle. You have Christian brothers and sisters who are marching with you. Pull together with your fellow soldiers and lock shields as you have marched toward the spiritual battle to which God has called you. It's a quote by Greg Laurie. When we walk together in unity and love, focused on the scripture and focused on our salvation and how we became Christians in the first place, there's nothing that can defeat us.